everybody. Welcome to episode 125 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I am one of two hosts, Sashia Dumont. I am two of two hosts, Mr. Paul Robert Robinson. And today we have a guest today. So that's very exciting. Um, yeah. Who's our guest? Who are you? I'm Roman Molina Dunn. Uh, yeah, I'm a composer for film and television. Um, nice. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thanks so, you so much for coming our on. Our second um, composer. Yep. Yep. Uh, in 125 episodes, that's not very many. Sad. No. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I, uh, I really, I really like actually talking to composers, even mm-hmm. though there's only mm-hmm. been two. But I've always, I'm always interested in what you guys do because um, we sort of learned the hard way how important the right music is. And I mean, not that we didn't understand that prior, but we just didn't have it in, in, in the finances and everything was so like micro budget. And so we would just get stuff from online and, you know, throw it on there. And it was good, but it's never great. And uh, our last film, we had our first composer on. Uh, um, he had actually scored it for us. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, now we can't go back. Like this yeah, is, yeah. It's a good and bad thing because now I'm like, well, we can't just start pulling music off of off the interwebs yeah. now. Now we have to have everything like custom uh, because it's just completely, completely different. Uh, so what? how did you get into composing? Um, well, so before I do that, I just want to uh, mirror what you just said. And I totally agree with that. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. any aspect of filmmaking. Once you have uh, a person you know, specifically doing it for you. You just can't go back. It's, it's so collaborative. Um, so I love what you just said there. So my, my trajectory was a little bit full circle. So growing up, I, mm-hmm. you know, studied classical music. And then as I got older, I got more into, um, for lack of a better word, more popular styles of music. Um, mm-hmm. And then I started a recording studio with a business partner. Um, and we were producing for artists and recording like voiceovers for commercials. And what happened was eventually some of those commercial companies wanted us to do the music for those commercials. So we were doing like, you know, just corporate composition. Um, And then a lot of times those directors, if they had a modicum of success, would go on to doing their own films. um, And you might be the person that they called. So I found my way back to uh, strict composition through that. But it had this whole... um, you know, media sway, as well as, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're composing these days, it's not like I get to write it down on sheet music like I used to or what my dream was. It's more like I'm actually just a music producer um, who is working for somebody in the capacity of multimedia. Um, So most of it's still in the studio or I guess these days from home, your home studio, if you Mm -hmm. will. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of this organic path. I just wanted to work in music and I was always a composer, but I didn't know that it would land uh, me working for filmmakers. And I feel like, at least in our budget range, your role, the composer's role, is usually always the last. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, you don't have if any... If we have money for it. Yeah, music, if yeah. we have money for it, or it's like, this is all we have left in the budget, or like, there's that side of it. But then there's also the creative side of it where it's like, you have no idea about anything other than now you have the finished movie with pro- hopefully some temp music for what they're going for. And so I wanted to, I was curious about how that is for you, like being involved at the very last minute versus being involved from the beginning 
and knowing the story and seeing it come to life? Like, how is that? How does that work? So I've been in both boats where mm -hmm. I've been brought on very early for a film and that it, it's just wonderful to be part of a team at that point. And that usually happens with people you've been working with in the past, but it's mm -hmm. also happened for me for, uh, you know, first time collaborations. And it's wonderful because in those instances, I'm generally creating music based on the script or some ideas and it's a longer workshopping. Um, mm -hmm. And then the more common thing is, as you mentioned, is especially um, when there's less of a budget is you're kind of the last in line, it, you and the colorist usually. Yeah. 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 Um, and there's a lot there that's similar, which is that you're coming in after somebody's lived with this narrative for so long and you just have to improve their vision to the best of your ability. Um, so there's a lot of stress there. You know, it's, but like I said, coming from the commercial world, it's usually like we needed it yesterday anyway. So you're used to those mm -hmm. turnarounds. Um, but I, I guess I also do want to touch on something you said earlier, uh, which is the whole budget thing. And I'd say just to anybody listening that, you know, composers are willing to work on great pieces of art, even if you don't think you have the budget for them. But it's worth having exploring that conversation, even if you don't think that you might be able to afford them, because. I think some of the best work I've ever done has been on lower budget things or has been the follow up project to a low budget project with the same team. Um, mm -hmm. And it's about building that trust. And, you know, I've done things with like, you know, you're doing point sharing um, or maybe the music is non exclusive. So I'll write music for somebody's low budget film, but I still retain the rights to it. And mm -hmm. if the film's successful, I'm not going to like go resell that music to another movie. It's more just like maybe I can release the soundtrack on my own. And, um, right. you know, th there's ways to work on it. And it's just a matter of, um, like you said, appreciating how this heightens your film and that there is a place for stock music. Sure. If you're doing very quick turnarounds or um, you have absolutely no budget or YouTube videos or commercials, I understand it. Um, but if you've spent months or years working on this vision to not have somebody in charge of that part of it, um, it you know, it, it will uh, not take away from your art, but it won't certainly won't add to it in the same way. Yeah. yeah. I, audio is so important, not just, you know, as filmmakers, we understand the importance of the audio side of it, not just the clarity of the dialogue, but, you know, how to set that mood and and sure you can grab a piece of music on premium beat or whatever one of those things mm -hmm. that accomplishes that mood but it's just i don't know it's just not the same you know it's just like grabbing a lut and throwing it on your thing it's like you know that's your generic look you know yeah. so i don't know i want to just sort of piggyback on what you had just said though in that um our our experience was very much like that in that we had um we had i i had been going through stock music when I found Emmett Cook's, Cook's work and I really liked his, the sound that he had. We had him on the show and then there was a part of me that was like, we planned on using his stock, stock music anyway for our last project, but I said, let me just ask what his rate is. And so I just wanna start by saying, you know, people may be willing to work with you, but I'm a big stickler about expecting people to work with you and always give that person the opportunity to offer their work at a discounted rate. Sure. But don't expect a discounted rate. <laughs> you know, that just kind of drives me nuts. So yeah, I mean I, I really appreciate that you're you're so um 
you're so open with that and, and that you're willing to collaborate. But I just feel like people can be abusive with that, especially with colorists and, and with composers, because it, you're last in line, sort of. And so the budget's been already depleted and or close to that. And so, um, you know, he uh, he took major pity on us. And uh, I, I was the one who was like, you know what, just like, never mind, that's cool. Like, which is, and, and he actually was the one that came, that kept coming forward. And uh, he just, we sent him the film. We were like, we'll just send it to you. And um, he wanted to work with us, like genuinely wanted to work with us. And we were so surprised because, you know, this guy's like making, like, you know, his videos online of actual orchestras recording you know and we were like this can't this there's no way that this is happening and we've developed like a, a nice relationship with him now to the point where if we put something up he'll reach out and be like hey do you have music for that and we're like what is even happening right now <laughs> you know um but i i do i do find that most people in art are willing to do that yeah i think so i think that speaks to the respect that you showed him and to the uh level of your craft if composers are wanting to work with you I mean, it's it's hard to land gigs as a composer, and it's a very competitive landscape. And like you said, um, I think colorists and musicians or composers specifically, their work is slightly devalued because it's below the line um, and people don't see it and their stock libraries. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, it makes the appearance that it's a commodity and not art, which mm -hmm. is a bit problematic for the professionals trying to work at a higher level. Um, so you know, we're all hungry to work for sure. Um, but it speaks more to what you're probably doing, um, than you might be aware of because, uh, it is to some degree dollars and cents. I mean, when we choose projects, if it's not a good film, um, compared to the other things you're being offering, it's hard to do it, even if you want mm -hmm. to, you know, or you're friends with people, but you, the software that we're using, the amount of time that is put into it costs a lot of money. Uh, so when you're doing something for just a few hundred dollars, even uh, if it seems like it's not a big ask, it, the amount of time and money put into it, it's sometimes very hard to make. Yeah. Yeah. And with, with, with our composer, that was another thing was that like, we didn't really put, I mean, of course there's, there's always a deadline, but we were just like, I mean, if you can get this done before next year, <laughs> like, you know, and I think that was like in the fall. So we were like, you know, if you, like three months and he had it done, like he just like finished it in like three weeks. It was like, all right, just give me some time. And we thought probably the three months he did it in the three weeks. Yeah. I think there was like one thing that we were like, can you just tweak this down? And that was it. Yeah. Um, so that's the other thing, too, that I wanted to bring up is that, you know, uh, being on both sides of it, you know, I've, I've had clients, I've been a client and just, I, I've always noticed that the people that want you to work for a reduced rate, a lot of times are the people that want the most out of you, <laughs> Yeah, you know? And so a lot of times, you 45 know, I'll revisions. Get, yeah, I'll get a, a big budget cause I'll, I'll do on the side. I do like motion graphics and all that fun stuff. And like, I've noticed that a lot of the bigger budget projects that I get are just like, yeah, that's great. That's good because they're they have a big, big enough budget that they know what they want, and they're very clear at the beginning. And I make the thing, and they're done. Whereas, I've noticed that, and this is just it's completely anecdotal. This is just my experience with it, but um, it's just funny how that works. Yeah, I'd agree with that sentiment. I mean, sometimes it's also that if a but you know if there is such a big budget, those people are very experienced, 
So mm-hmm. um, there's a, something about that. Although I have worked on lower budgets where people were very respectful of my time because they were also yep. experienced and this was a passion project. Um, mm-hmm. And But in those instances, uh, a lot of times you can tell the team members already have like a huge IMDB credit list and they know what you're doing is proper for their projects. So you're not going to go through those revisions. Yep. Um, but I also have that, that whole thing where I don't want to chase a project. Like, um, you know, we're kind of in this world where people can hear your work and mm-hmm. if they love what you're going to do, like because of what you've done in the past, or they have faith that what you've done is varied enough that you'll be able to handle what they do, it's going to be a great project. But if they're like, hey, you're up against like, you know, 200 people. How bad do you want this project? We don't have a big budget. It's kind of yeah. like, well, um, that's great. Best of luck with the project. I'd love to be a part <laughs> of it. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. Please reach back out, um, you know, if you think I'll be a good fit. But uh it's tough, you know, managing rates versus expectations. I think we probably all face that. Yeah, for sure. Especially now. I mean, this, you know, budgets are tightening and, and, and everything with, with what's going on. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky landscape for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, and plus now you have, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Yeah, you but I'm going to keep talking. (laughs) Um, Plus now, especially in, in, in the creative field, there's the, the, the AI has become so involved where you can like download a program and have a, a, a decent sounding voiceover that's completely computer generated, sure. for example, you know? And so um, as that technology technology de- develops, a lot of the, you know, the bigger budget things are always going to have, you know, an individual quality to it. But I think a lot of that kind of um, lower level stuff where you can just buy a program or buy stock stuff or whatever, like you were talking about. Um, that stuff is becoming more and more um, mainstream, I guess. I don't know if yeah. that's a, a good word for it. And and so that too is like... Uh, There's a lot of people that don't see anything wrong with that either. Yeah. Like it's just... But it's becoming so, so good that like, you know, if let's take color grading, for example, you know, you, you'll ha- pretty soon we'll have... A, the ability for the computer to t- look at your scene and, and, and tell you what it needs. It's too bright over here. It's too dark over here. The colors are off here, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that is going to be super helpful for a lot of filmmakers that don't have the budget for that, that then won't reach out and then build that relationship with someone that may or may not want to uh, work with them just for the sake of, you know, because yeah. like, like, like you were saying before, a lot of people will work. I'll, I would work with somebody for a heavily reduced rate if I'm digging the project and what they're doing and who they are and, and all that stuff. So it's a shame. I think <laughs> I think it might be twofold, though. I think, one, you still need somebody to actually use the software. So at that time, yeah. you're paying for somebody's sensibility. So yeah. like even if I'm using like DaVinci's built-in like auto color or something, right, you're still paying somebody to spend that time or you're doing it yourself and you're losing your money from the time you're spending doing it. Yeah. Even if the computer does it well, it's like the sensibilities that surround it. Um, So that's part of it. But then the other part of it, like what you're talking about, it frees you up. If everybody can do this and AI can help filmmakers, then they're going to focus on diversifying their project in different ways or becoming unique through something else, like maybe through the application of music or sound design that wouldn't necessarily be standardized within the program via AI. So I think it frees up some creative um, 
time on the project, but it is a little scary when you spend a lot of time being an expert in something and now mm-hmm. the computer can replace you doing it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in music, that's, that's like our fear as well is that computers mm-hmm. are going to write music, but you know, what computers can't do very well yet is revisions. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I think you're always going to need somebody involved in that aspect. And if you want to do it all yourself because a computer can help you go ahead and you'll just be doing the whole project by yourself. And it's no longer a collaborative art that, uh, mm-hmm. has a diverse world perspective on it. Yep. Um, so it's easy to get scared by it, but I think it might have a benefit and it might actually not overtake the whole collaborative process. Yeah, I hope not because I like, I I like having the you know, for you know if I were to just grab a bunch of stuff off the internet and put you know, hobble it together as best I can, yeah maybe it'll pass. But then having uh, now I have now we have this relationship and and now he what he will bring to it or whoever whomever it will be would bring would bring to it or she. Well, that's why I said whoever <laughs> they would bring. Um, is is something that I'll never think. Same with the colors. I can color grade our films, and I have every one of our films. But I would desperately love to be able to afford somebody to, because it's just a different perspective. Same, same with editing. I edit all our films, but to see what another editor would do with my material would be very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that and make me better in the end. Absolutely. It also gets you just. It may seem like something that is ultimately successful, for instance, with AI, where, you know, in music, you suddenly had everybody was being auto-tuned. And I think at, at face value, that seems, uh, that seems really lucrative, right? Because I can make anybody sound much better than they do. Uh, however, what happens when we go live? So eventually, this is going to sort of come back full circle. And yes, this may sound passable in some cases, um, on a, on an, on an album and, and, and on your, on your phone. And when you're listening to this in your car, but then when you go to a show and you're like, Oh, what just happened there? You know? And sure. I mean, you can, I guess, auto tune someone's mic and kind of make them sound better, but, uh, you know, there, you're always going to get caught in that really. And you can, you can tell the difference. There's, you know, there's also a style that, that people kind of have. We, we, I tend to write very dark and moody, so I sort of like to go towards that type of sound and that type of music. Um, but, you know, you think of filmmakers that sort of have their niche and they have their style. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Tarantino and so much of his music, uh, so much of his films are his soundtracks. And if you think of taking the music out of that and having somebody put their own spin on it, because he's very much involved in the type of music that is used, but that's his style. And so I really think it would change his films completely if you gave that to somebody else and said, here, what's your take on what that music and what this film sounds like to you would be different. Scorsese, you know, they all have, you know, Scorsese likes to go with a lot of 70s rock and that, you know, and so uh, there's a there's a, an intimacy in that that you really lose when you're just going through stock. And look, I tell people all the time when you're first starting out, especially as a, a, a first time filmmaker, there's no budget for a composer. You're still learning how to do stuff, you know? So wait until you've really made something that you're super proud of and that you can really jump off of and, and then give that the right sound. But it, as I said in the beginning, like we can't go back now. Yeah. Maybe like when we do skits, <laughs> when we do skits, we pull like stock on, you know, it's like, all right, that's it's a five minute micro short. Like you throw something on it, but um, to spend the amount of time that you do 
pre-production, post-production. And then uh, we have heard our music on commercials. Yeah, sure. Films that we, we're like, oh. Like older films, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst, yeah. It's on a, it's on a, a ladies' razor commercial, you know, like that's so weird. Um, but we recognize it right away because we sat for hours. And honestly, I mean, you know, look, you got to save where you can, but it's very tedious to sit through thousands upon thousands of options. It's like when you yeah. have way too many the options. The curation process is still I, very I cannot stand lacking. that process because it's like, all right, I can narrow this down to the genre, but there's 47,000 options here. And after the hundredth, I don't even care anymore. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, I think you touched on something important there, which was you know the time you spend doing it and you still walk away with something slightly subpar where you could just hire somebody to make it specifically for you. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'd say, like you were saying, to wait until you have the perfect thing. I, I do think some composers, though, would be willing to do things with you early on. And you just gave the best pitch for any composer ever, which is once you've worked with one, you can't go back. I mean, that that's that's a so great true. thing. Yeah, I love hearing that. Even... Um, even if I wasn't the composer, just to have filmmakers <laughs> say that is like, you know, a true testament to what we're trying to provide. Yeah. So yeah, wonderful. for sure. I mean, it's the first thing I thought, like once, once, uh, one, once Emma, Emmett said us, sent us the, the music and we sat and we watched it. I Don't admit. talk to him about him, but I feel like he feels sorry. like we're cheating on him. No, no, no. That's, I'm very happy that you have I'm that. that. That's like, again, you know, the we're in our industry. It's, it's, I think the competition for composers isn't between composers. It's between uh, composers and people who don't want to use composers. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because it's like being an actor. You can't think you're the only actor, right? right. You know, you right. can't think you're the only composer. Of course, you know, it's so artistic. You want to feel like your art's the greatest. But that's mm -hmm. not a very pragmatic or modern way of thinking about what you're doing. You know, I'm not writing music for myself. Like I'm writing music for other people. So it's a matter mm -hmm. of like, are there clients who value your craft? Um, so hearing you talk about other composers, uh, the face value, I appreciate you saying that, you know, but it's. He meant nothing to yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like a wonderful it's, thing. Emmett who? Yeah. It didn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah no, it's so great um, because it means, you know, we have like guilds and societies and we're all aware of each right. other's work. Um, and it's again, it's just like directors, like you're aware there's other directors um, and you wouldn't be bummed if another director got, uh, you know, a network show. You'd be super psyched because it means that there is a place for what they're doing. Yeah. 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 yeah it goes. It, it. I agree with that wholeheartedly because there's such a competitive and, and, and I guess, you know, com competition is 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 good in that it brings the, the the best out of people sometimes, but I also feel like, you know, it has the adverse effect in that it kind of brings the worst out in people. And, you know, I don't feel like if I wanted to direct something for somebody, but then someone else gets, that doesn't mean that they're, that they're my competition or my enemy. It's just like, well, that he's, he or she is a better fit for that. Yeah. And so, um, I just, I don't know. I, I guess I live in that world where I feel like there's enough work for everyone. We'll all be fine. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's not true, but dealing it, with but, egos, it but yeah, it's, it, it all comes down to the, to the yeah. ego of it. And I don't know. I just feel like we're a stronger community of artists in whatever field. If we just, um, kind of enjoy each other's work and, and doing, you know, 
I'll say it again, my day jobs, motion graphics and stuff, but that community is so um, open and welcome. There's just, you know, when you have people teaching each other, like I've had issues and I can reach out to another artist and be like, I'm having this issue, can you help me? And they will help me, no problem. And, you know, and so that sort of thing, it's, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a rant now, but yay, we started watching this show called The Great British Bake Off. Well, she's been watching it forever, <laughs> but I started watching it. And I love that show. And I'm not like a baker or anything, but the, the point of it for me is just how the competition is There's a laid out. Yeah. There's a, if, if they don't see each other as the enemy, you know, if, if somebody finishes what they're doing, they'll go over and help somebody else. And then when somebody gets kicked off, everyone's sad and they're hugging. So that is just so refreshing to see. And and I feel like I really wish there was more of that in, in, in the artistic. I feel like there's a lot of it, but I, I just it's either it's 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 extremes. Yeah. There's no gray area. Right. You have people in, in film community that are very supportive and then you have people that are very jealous. Um, you know, there's especially as an actor myself, there's there's that uh, attitude of like that person got my role. You know, sure. where uh, and and, you know, the business itself does that in a lot of ways where now you can be cast for something because you have more Instagram followers, which is obscene, you know, because you spend so much time and money to 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 this craft and towards this craft. And then your popularity is ultimately what, uh, you know, but. I mean, that's annoying, but at the end of the day, I can't lose sleep over that. That's just where that part of the business is going, and we don't go that way. You know, we just, like, I love when I'm working with an actor that has something to teach me because that's mm -hmm. going to make me a better actor. I'm not mad that this person stole the scene. Sure. First of all, it's 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 our movie, so <laughs> I have to be happy that they're doing a good job because they just made the movie that much better, so that's a little easier, I guess, but... Um, when I'm working with somebody that that can steal a scene, I'm inside. I'm like taking notes. You know, what are they doing? What are they doing? How do I do that? Uh, versus just like, great, there goes my moment. You know, <laughs> because you're yeah. not you're not gonna you're not gonna grow as an artist. As cliche as that sounds, but what I had been saying before was that like when when Emmett sent us that, there was a moment where I went, oh shit. Now we have to use composers like we can't, you know, like one part of me was really excited because it was so personal. And it was like, wow, that just that is part of the script. It sort of goes you're at the end, but then you loop back around into the script because I, I feel like composers are not it's not just a visual thing. They're watching the composition of a story hmm. and they're sort of involved in that script writing and they're writing their music to what the writer is creating and and it's so weird because that's my process in the beginning and we have nothing to do with one another but somehow in the end we're working together uh to do that and so you're having to work off um emotions that an actor is giving you even just scenery you know uh, we've we've watched stuff when we really started to appreciate it was when we were watching a lot of really lower budget indie films because I mean, it's the truth. They're the first, the, the the first people to do this. It's it's that's just what happens because again, the budget for 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 a composer is not there, so they don't even bother. They get stock footage. We were watching something once, and I just said, "What the hell is happening with this music?" And it took oh, you yeah. out completely. I, I mean, I I didn't even care what was happening in the story anymore, and gen and and genuinely, I was annoyed <laughs> because the music 
made no sense at all. And that's when I started to just go like, wow, you can actually ruin a film with the wrong music. For sure. And that must kill you when you hear that, <laughs> when you hear that happening. Yeah, but I guess even in, you know, what I do, it's still a directorial choice. I mean, to use a composer as a directorial choice to ruin your own film with <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor choices of stock music is a directorial choice. And, you know, uh, it certainly bothers me. Um, but then you realize, and even it happens on films that I score where they decide to maybe use something that I wrote for a different scene in a different place and it wasn't my intention. Um, oh, okay. And, but at the end of the day, to you know, I... I realize it's it's never been my film it's never been my show uh it's the directors and I, I only have so much that i can offer it's kind of what i tell everybody which is that as a composer you have to love what you write so much to submit it but not love it so much you're angry when somebody destroys it or, or <laughs> asks you to rewrite it or they mute it even you know um it's, it's it's that kind of job really where you have to trust somebody else's instincts and, you know, it you just realize this isn't your own art and that's okay. Um, you want to contribute to the larger picture. Um, but it is kind of scary when you see, um, you know, really bad usages of music. Um, however, I would say you remember that film. So, so it's like yeah. kind of an interesting yeah. thing. Maybe that wasn't the intention. Is it secretly genius? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, because I've th there's definitely been usages of music I've been asked to do that are that where you're like, they ask you to maybe distort it far more than you normally would, and it's just a choice to you know become memorable. You know, just a bold mm -hmm. move. Um, so I get that. I you know I wonder if that film you saw was, but. Um, yeah, it's it's part of. We'll the job. talk after. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be mean, but yes, we'll talk after. Sure, sure. Uh, have you so have you ever have you ever gotten a request that you've had to just say like, because you know that that's the that's a catch twenty two right because it's a client and you have to do what the client wants, but this is also this also directly reflects on you as an artist when people say who wrote this, you know who who composed this film. So it's interesting. I mean, so like I said, my viewpoint is that it's not my art, is that I am hired as an extension of somebody's brain. So mm -hmm. I'm really just trying to write the music that the director would want to write. Could they actually do the job of writing the music? And that's how, kind of how I view it. Um, but I am in the position where I've never really turned down anything. So I, I like I said I started out doing pop music and I I use a pseudonym called Electropoint and I've had like some you know hit, like Billboard charting songs and and major songs and I did a bunch of songs for reality TV stars and Howard Stern show and all of mm -hmm. these things that are probably questionable to people of certain sensibilities <laughs> right like I'm writing songs for tabloid stars and like just ridiculous things. Um, mm -hmm. And I used the pseudonym because originally I didn't want that to contrast with what I was doing film gotcha. film wise. Like I didn't want to put my name on it, but it turns out that, and maybe it's to the point you were making about Instagram and popularity is that people actually can see the value in doing some of these other things. Even if you think that it might take away from your credibility of the voice you're wishing to cultivate, meaning that I haven't turned away anything that I have time to do and the people are nice um, 
because at the end of the day, again, it's, it's not me. It's not my name on it in the sense where like, this is who I am as an individual. It's, this is what I did for that film. And if you don't like it, it means you don't like the film as a whole because that's Mm -hmm. what it's part of. Um, and I'm okay with that. So I haven't really turned away too many things. Um, it's more usually a budget concern. Uh, and that is, you know, not just like I'm unwilling to work for a certain rate. It's more just like, you know, we haven't reached an agreement that worked really mm-hmm. well, but I, I do some really low budget things sometimes because I love the art and I love the people making it. And I've been very lucky that that's transitioned into like some, some major feature films or television shows because those people went on to do some things with greater budgets and mm-hmm. if I would have turned away those projects because like they didn't understand shot composition at the time or the the color grading was no good, I probably wouldn't have grown with that team. Um, so I haven't turned things away based on production value or based on content. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a little tougher uh, more recently with uh, some questionable material that's come out where it's been a little bit harder. Um, mm-hmm. just like in our current age of COVID and our political mm-hmm. uh, issues yeah. in this country mm-hmm. where sometimes, you know, people are making shock factor things and you have to question whether this is good for humanity, not good for mm-hmm. like, your art. So in those instances, sure. But so how much do you want to sell out exactly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's tough in music. You know, you every time someone asks to pay you for music, it's flattering. Um, and yeah. so you certainly want to... Uh, be grateful for the opportunity so it's hard to say no um it's just really you know it's a business decision and an artistic decision like that we're all mm-hmm. making so it, it's tough but uh haven't turned away too many things that were um uh let me say reasonable you know right right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah but- I, I think that also people just um it's a it's being a composer is very much a thankless job and in in the you know in in your Hans your Hans Zimmer's of the world you know people know those they you know they know the name and so they expect that sound, but in in our level of of filmmaking, if you've done your job brilliantly, so many people won't even recognize that because it's cohesive and mm-hmm. so it goes to like oh that film was great, but they don't really think about what where's the, music. the credit go this yeah, fucking guy it, right here <laughs> that guy. <laughs> It goes to the director. Um, and we talk about this a lot. And and I, I know that it's not going to be that in every case. But for us, at least, I want to know that that our composer is happy with the work. Yeah. That's important to me. I realize that, yeah, yes, it sure. is. They're separate entities. And, you know, you have to just sort of do what you do and then hand it over. And it's not your place, so to speak. But it would bother me if if a composer is sitting back like, man, I can't stand that. But whatever, yeah. it's a job. You know, yeah, I yeah. want to know that you're happy with it and you like it. Um, we constantly will tag in. Like the composer is part of the team now. So when I put a post and I tag all of the actors, the composer is in there because you're part of that. Oh, yeah. Whether we, even though we've never met, you know, and you weren't there for the production, it's, you know, it's tying everything up. It's like you brought the wrapping paper and made the the, the package pretty. And so uh, it, it does bug me when people just sort of leave colorist and they leave the composer out because it's a really really big part of your production and it's uh yeah it's thankless i can't really think of another way to say that it's you just sort of become someone that exists you come in you go out and 
Yeah, I mean... That's annoying. <laughs> it's great that you feel that way. And uh, I've been lucky enough to work with most directors that feel that way. Uh, so it's really wonderful to hear it um, echoed again. Um, but I think, you know, there is that thing where you actually do want the director and the film to do better than you do because when I'm pitching on a job, people look at past projects I've done and uh, that's almost more important than my namesake, which is like, oh, you scored that film? Yeah, like that's like cool, you right. know? So you actually right. do want uh, less credit than the film in some way because that's what your your next director might see. Mm-hmm. Um but it's a little tough, you know, being behind the scenes as far as that goes, you know, if you're looking for credit. But then again, if you're looking for credit, you're kind of, well, you're in the right industry, but you're in the wrong role, <laughs> I guess, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's it's work, you know. And I think if you remove the ego from it the best that you can, uh, you'll probably end up with more recognition in the long run anyway, you know. Like, that's, what's, that's what publicists are for, you know. Like, if you want yeah, recognition, yeah. you should hire somebody to help you with that. But if you want a film to be good, you should just focus on making the film really good. Yeah. And I think it goes to the point you made earlier where it's, and I, and I feel this way too, it's like, I want to be the worst person in the room. You know, if, if we have a room full of directors or, or whatever, if I'm the worst one, I can only go up. Sure. If I'm the best one, then where am I going to go from there? And so, you know, when it comes to a collaborative thing, like making a film and you have your, your colorist and your composer and your editor you shouldn't be better than those people at those things, you know, um, theoretically. I mean, sometimes it comes down to just time or whatever, I guess, for some people. But ideally, like, those people are going to be better to bring that film to a better place than you can uh, as as an individual. Definitely. Yeah. Now, you just, um, your recent project, it was an HBO project, correct? Was it Huracan? Or? Yeah. Uh, so Huracan okay. was, uh, it's actually... I'm it's it's on HBO and HBO mm-hmm. Max so you can still mm-hmm. watch it um and actually at the time that we're talking um so uh, maybe still by the time people hear this it it's actually in theaters in the UK um oh, nice. so we got a nice uh, international theatrical release they couldn't do it here because you know we have a pandemic yeah. going and they have it yeah. there too but it it's a little bit different their lockdowns are not lockdowns yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah, that show, that film is on uh, HBO and HBO Max. Um, so if people want to check it out, that'd be awesome. That that is to be cool to to have that experience and and work on some because it's I did watch it. It's a, so oh, it's cool. it's an in, it's an Thank indie you. film. It's an indie film, um, mixed martial arts, and um, I guess so. I mean, I watched it because. I knew that you had worked on it. We had been talking, so I was like, oh, "I want to see this." <laughs> so, um, and you know, paying attention to the music, and um, I always say that um, being a filmmaker sort of ruins the way that you watch films <laughs> yeah. because I can't just sit and watch a film. Sure. I'm just like noticing all these things that maybe other people wouldn't notice, like the music. But um, on that other on that other film, not to be like a catty person, but when I was reading, reading the reviews, people that weren't filmmakers were like, what the hell is with this music? <laughs> so I knew it wasn't just me, you know, but uh, sometimes you're just, you know, you're watching everything with an eagle eye and you're listening to everything really differently. And so um, I was like noticing, you know, the way the music would go with a scene and the, mo- the, the, the tone that you had and the emotions that are going with it. 
Um, so that was that was really cool. So I would definitely recommend that that you guys watch it. It is on HBO. Like, who doesn't have HBO Max now? I don't know. <laughs> like, especially since this pandemic, we have like every yeah, every single uh, platform for movies at this point. Um, so are, are you working on anything? Anything coming up that you're excited to work on or that you can tell us about? Yeah, sure. So, it, you know, speaking of the tone of that film and the pandemic, you know, that film was dark, uh, Urakan, mm-hmm. uh, just by nature of what the content was, the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just wrapped up uh, last week a television show for HBO Originals that was called uh, Kid Correspondent, and it was a children's show. And so the music was very, very different. Um, and it was like the best thing I could do during this pandemic because right. I had just come off of this psychological thriller. And yeah. we were spent, I'm still spending a lot of time pushing Urakan because the soundtrack mm-hmm. comes out uh, in about two weeks. Um, so like my mind's just been on that, but it's very dark subject matter. So then, then getting this children's show for uh, YouTube uh, was really cool because it's like, I'm playing toy instruments and like <laughs> singing funny let like spelling out letters, you know, the theme right. uh, like is the name of the show spelled out, but sung through like a little kid's toy uh, microphone. And it's just like the total opposite. Um, so it was really cool to do that during the pandemic. And that just wrapped last week. And it's really cool because it's a show about um, kid news anchors covering the election right before the election. And they had like oh. uh, Robin Roberts and um, who else was on that? Like all of these famous news anchors were in it and with mm-hmm. children. So it was really cool to work on that. And um, that kind of did hint at what you're talking about earlier about how we're the last people. I mean, I I had to write you know, the whole series worth of music in maybe like a day or two. And it's like, you know, lots of lots of music. Um, But, you know, that's the job and it's cool. And it was fun to do that. Um, And then they repurposed tracks from different places. They augment it like in the sections that were done after I had scored it with stock. And then my music comes in and out for the scenes that are actually like narrative uh, as opposed to like uh, they do these funny little commercials in it. It's like a check it out. I'm, I know I'm pitching stuff yeah. now and I probably should, you're <laughs> plugging stuff right now. Uh, but and then the next film I'm doing is back to a super dark subject matter. It's this feature called Snakehead. Um, and the director was known. He was kind of like a Sundance sweetheart a few years ago for this film called Lynn Sanity. Uh, his name's uh, Evan Jackson Leong. And it's this film about uh the underworld in Chinatown. Jeremy Lin. <laughs> yeah, it was the film about Jeremy Lin. It was called Lin Sanity. Uh, so he did the, the documentary about that, and it was. Like, I was going to say that sounds really familiar to me, and I'm not sure why, but okay, yeah. Yeah, because it was a really big film uh, for yeah. Sundance, and then he did this feature, and Lucy Liu was supposed to star in it, and it got all this coverage, and then she dropped out. Um, so it took longer than ever, and um, they brought me on for a composer uh, just recently, like maybe starting a year ago, and. We were pretty much wrapped on it, but because of the pandemic, the distribution and release is a little complicated because Mm. he spent so much time on this film. And then, you know, I did the score for the last year um, and we still were tweaking trailer stuff even just recently. Um, And he doesn't want to release it in a time where people can't go to theaters. uh, You Mm -hmm. can't get the proper coverage, especially for a director who's had this kind of success at festivals. Yeah. Um, so that's the next one that I'm really excited about. Um, and then there's just a, a ton of people are making stuff. It's really cool. You know, 
I have uh, lucky enough to still be doing commercials and features and some of these shows um, that have network backing, but there is a huge push in the indie community and having some of those cushions allows me to work in all these indie films, even if the budget isn't there, which is what I was talking about earlier, which is like get in touch with the composers because they love making music for you. And hopefully if they have other projects that are paying well, they might be able to do things that they really believe in. And so right yeah. now I'm working on, uh, I have a new web series that's coming out next Friday uh, called The Naturals. And actually the director for that is the director who brought me onto this YouTube original series. And it's a much lower budget thing. And we did six webisodes and they're dropping. And I'm super excited about that too. But it's like that kind of story where, you know, if you work with people in the indie film scene, you know, your successes hopefully um, will help their successes and their successes right. will help you and all that. Um, and then, you know, three or four more shorts. Um, and there's a lot of animation work going on. I know you asked me, like, what am I working on? And I've just spent 20 minutes talking <laughs> no, about yeah. everything I've ever worked on. Uh, That's awesome. But there's a lot of stuff going on because people need streaming content. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I find myself pitching a lot, um, meaning like uh, when I'm doing network things, a lot of times you actually have to pitch where, where mm -hmm. they'll send you a, a small snippet of the episode and they want to hear your work and they're going to compare you to 20 or 200 other people to see whose music mm -hmm. fits. And that's really taxing um, work to do. But um, there's a lot of that going on, which to me, I'm mentioning more not because, A, I don't know if I would actually get some of the shows I'm pitching on, I'm hopeful. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm actually mentioning it because I think it hints out the health of the industry. Like there's streaming going on right now at epic levels. And mm -hmm. that means that networks are reaching out to indie filmmakers and uh, above and below the line talent to help on these projects. Um, yeah. So I think we're all going to see a really big uh, swell of work coming if we haven't already. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know we've been we're we've been just creating skits and things more than more than ever just because you know working from home you have more of that leeway and um, it's also just a form of sanity. Yeah. And entertainment uh, because there's just so many shows and series you can watch. Sure. Um, yeah. Before you just want to kind of be it's, creative. Yeah. It's tricky, though, because there's so much more content that's coming. But then also it's so much harder to get people together. Mm. Yeah. You know, Wait, like that's one of the things. You're we, for, yeah. You know. Forced into I'm forced to write stuff where I'm the only actor in a scene, which is weird. You know? yeah. it's like, um, but then it also tests you. Yeah. As an actor, it's like, well, I have to carry this whole scene, this whole short by myself, and I can't really bounce off of anybody else. And what do I do? And yeah. uh, I'm not going to lie. That's going to get old quick. <laughs> it's fun for now. But you know, like, sure. I mean, uh, that, I'd like to not do that. That's why I've seen a lot of animation work. Um, so, yeah, we're actually our next project yeah. is animation. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And so it's the first thing I thought I was just like, OK, let's just do an animation. You know, I have to worry about. COVID and I don't have to worry about whether we can actually have someone running sound and is it going to be annoying and you know it has a mask and this and that it's just well it's an animation we can take our time with it and, and we'll figure it out and uh, animations are also uh, just on that topic uh, so music heavy that's it's so important with animation um, because you have that visual and you'd think that that would be enough but it's really 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 <laughs> yeah, not yeah. Um, the well, music is so important music is so important and also um, sound design yeah. you know, and Foley work and stuff, because yep. if, if you don't, the visuals are just barely half of it, but if you don't believe that these characters are in that environment and the way they put something down or 
move or whatever isn't yeah. the way it should be in real life that will take you just like in films you know if you know you a lot of times her and i will be able to point out or pick up uh adr like that you know and sometimes we probably don't i mean you, you, there's if no way to ever really well, tell can't. yeah but uh, the minute we hear adr it's like well <laughs> like it takes us right out yeah yeah and i get sometimes it things happen uh but i feel like sometimes uh, a lot of people it's sort of like a fix it and post thing they just rely on adr and it's like no 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 <laughs> like you if you can capture that sound if there's there's no reason why you shouldn't try to capture that sound while you're filming um and i feel like adr should be used in absolute emergencies and emergencies happen all the time but um i've seen scenes where i've just gone like why isn't there sound why wouldn't you run sound? you're out in a parking lot like there's mm -hmm. no reason for you to not have a boom mic over this this scene like it 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 makes such a huge difference. Um, like I have to tell you, but you know. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're just seeing people at different stages of the, uh, you know, their education as a filmmaker. Well, no, generally like when it's, when it's a, 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 on a level like us, that those things are much more forgivable for, for us because we get it. We're there. We're, we're doing the same thing. You know, but when you're watching, you know, something on Netflix sure. or uh, something on HBO and then you can catch an ADR moment, it's like, what? These people have like practically an unlimited budget. How does this <laughs> how does this happen? Yeah. And I'm sure there's, you know, completely justifiable reasons. I'm not saying that the people that made it don't know what they're doing, but it's just interesting that that happens. Yeah. But I've, I've heard people like even in our level and, and just above our level say like, oh, well, we'll just, you know, we'll, well just yeah, ADR that's, that's it. And it's thing, like yeah. inside I'm like cringing you know because it's like you've just you've just thrown out a bunch of expletives when you say they're like oh we'll just adr like no that's fix, never gonna sound right post, yeah. i think it's probably they've heard other people adr it but then they're going to a recording studio and paying hundreds of dollars to have it fixed in post by post professionals mm -hmm. um and so if you have the budget to do that sure but if you don't and you think adring it in at home without all the software that you need to adr it uh, counts that's maybe where the problem is sometimes you know yeah yeah know there's the, so much that the goes few times it. i've had to do it i i <laughs> i'm not i'm not uh saying that this is the way you should do it but what i what i like to do is recreate that environment because i don't have a studio i don't have this great wealth of of uh talent as a as a music uh sound designer so if the line was recorded outside. Well, we're going to go outside and record the sound. And hopefully that'll help me a little bit because I don't have the budget or, or whatever to, to kind of fix it properly. So that's always but been It's also like finding thing. the right, like if you're in an environment, you can't if it's an open scene, right? If you're in a scene where let's say it's a parking lot, there's not a lot of object to bounce off of that sound. So now if you record that outside but between buildings that's not going to make sense you know because it's like the the feel is different it's, it's a really open space and it's just there's so much a sound design that i i feel like uh, a lot of emerging filmmakers really should look into learning yeah. and um no one's saying that you should study to be a sound engineer or a composer but at least understand the basics because i feel like when you bring that work the more you know about it the better you can communicate with your sound designers and composers instead of just going like I don't know what I want and because like, that's that's got to be you know yeah what, what what's the feel that you want for this I don't know okay well like now we're gonna have 45 revisions because you don't know what you want uh, so it's important to just sort of like 
yeah. really learn and just learn the basics of it so that you know what the other person is is uh, going to have to, the process of what they're going to have to go through. And you can bring that down. You're also more likely to get somebody, like you were saying, to work with you because I'd imagine if someone has a lower budget, but they can tell you exactly what they're looking for, that makes your job so much easier. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, like you were saying, finding somebody else to work with, you know, I just talked about this film Snakehead that I'm working on. Uh, that is a bigger feature. Um, they came to my recording studio to do ADR. Um, and through that interaction, I ended up working with the director as the composer. So mm -hmm. there is something about that wanting to work with professionals in different uh, departments and that you'll meet professionals in adjacent departments to work with. Um, so it's about being around other filmmakers and learning what they do and, and dancing in those circles with them, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we preach that to, to her point. We preach that all the time about like, that's such a good thing about how we came up in film and that we did everything, you know, we, you know, and, and so that doesn't mean that, that we want to do everything, <laughs> but now when I hire a composer or a colorist or an editor, I can much more easily, like speak their language to the best of my ability and, and, you know, kind of, um, communicate my, uh, our vision. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll, I think that, uh, the, the pandemic is, is gonna uh, sort of force a lot of creativity that maybe would not have been there. Mm -hmm. So, um, it sounds like you're working on a bunch of stuff, which is great. And you yeah. want to keep that going. Yeah, um, I would like to. and, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, and, you know, I guess like just on a final note, it's just to, to, yeah, like it's nice to hear a composer say, look, don't, don't count me out just because you think you might not be able to afford me. But on that, on that note, just everyone out there who is, who is looking for a composer, these people have got to eat as well. And, you know, learning what you can expect from somebody, be as prepared as you can reach out, not with expectation, yeah. but reach out and say, hey, this is, you know, I would imagine, I mean, you can confirm that, look, hey, this is what we have. Um, I don't know if you'd be able to work on this on such and such budget, but this is what we've got, you know, given the, you know, because the more, the more they're giving you, the more, the better that you can make an, an, uh, an informed decision, right? If you just say, well, I've got a short, well, what's the short? Yeah. How long is it? What's it about? Yeah. I don't know, you know, like, um, but if you're able to just send that that uh, that media out there and say this is hey this is our short, um, or, look it, it totally happened to us. You know, I mean, like I'm speaking out of experience. I mean, you you just never know. You just never know. Somebody might really like what you're doing, and then you develop those relationships. And yeah, because now if we if we ever were to get a, an actual budget for something, like there's no you know now we would go to Emmett or whoever. <laughs> and say uh no you should or a new you should go and with, say like here's a, here's a, here's an actual budget for you now <laughs> yeah no i would say you should go with them you should go with the people who helps you get to that point you know yeah um like i i really i maybe i'll want to take this back after i say it but i really <laughs> uh don't love when i take over for somebody um, you know, like somebody else has been scoring projects for uh somebody and then mm -hmm. they ask me to do it because they either know something else I've done or they they just you know like you said they like your Instagram following or, or whatever it is you know if you're taking over for somebody and you feel like you're stepping on toes it's yeah. not really a good feeling um because no. like 
you know, this, this is a a human thing, you know, we should not really be doing that in any industry. So I don't love that. So you should definitely go with the person who helps you uh, at that point. Um, But then to to your point, I I think, you know, you can send the, the more you have to send to somebody wonderful, but also with Urakan, for example, I just had a good relationship with that director and Mm -hmm. he sent me the script before he even had anything. And, and like that kind of early um, collaboration or trust in a creative, uh, I, I can't, I can't stress enough how important that is at getting people invested in the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when I get brought in at the very end, I, I, I'm still as invested because mm-hmm. that's where I am now. But I, I remember years ago where when people asked me to be on at the very end and they didn't send me a whole lot, I just didn't feel like I could offer them what I, I wanted to because they weren't receptive to having it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think you need to treat the composer, obviously coming from a composer, as part of the team so that, you know, you get out of them uh, what is best for the film and uh you want them invested in it for sure. I think it's really cool that you said that because I never, um, I never imagined sending a script to a composer hmm. before we've even gone into production. But we had, uh, we had a, which ironically, our our sound person wound up getting into an accident. They actually couldn't be our sound person, but when they were supposed to, they wanted to read the script. Yeah. Um, and which with sound, I understand that obviously because they want to know what's happening in the scene so they know where they have to be. But he was so invested in the story that as a writer, that was awesome because he was so excited for it. And I thought like, well, wow, I never thought yeah. because prior to that, the person that we would have wasn't he wasn't a sound person, but he would help us with sound and he would never read the script. So he would like day of he's like, where am I going? What's going on? Which it's like someone's doing your favor. So you're obviously not going to sure. you know g- really get too picky with that. But it, it was sort of strange to me that I thought, like, how how have you not? Because we would send him the script, but he would never read it. And so now I'm you're you're kind of having to go along with this day instead of being able to prepare and know like, all right, in this scene, everyone's close together. So I know where I have to be um, and preparing for that. And so that's kind of interesting. I would I, I mean, I would want to send. Yeah, like I, I, I would yeah, want to send this, a script to a composer could... now and be like, what is this sound? You know, like, yeah. what does this sound like to you? You, sh- you should definitely. I mean, the whole point of music is to heighten the narrative, however that is, either on mm. the nose or the subtext or internal uh, text, whatever it is. It's it's part of the story. Um, yeah. Even if it wasn't part of the story, there and it's by exception showing it's part of the story. You know, so reading the script is all that matters. Um, and you have to remember most individuals who go into making music are very sensitive and they're just explaining their sensitivity through audio Um, and them being able to read about emotions and conflict and resolution that you're speaking their language uh, just it needs to be translated later you know so I think sharing the script is huge Um, and it also again shows respect for the individuals who you'll be relying Mm -hmm. on to collaborate with. Yeah, because you give your actors the script, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there I mean, you, you know, yeah. we've never we've never had composers before, so I yeah, never, yeah. I, I I would feel like I was annoying them, like, yeah, hey, do you yeah. want to read my script? And they're like, no, I don't need that now. That's you know, that's how I kind of always pictured it, but yeah. it's kind of 
That's that's really that's really interesting to hear that that you would want to read a script. I mean, and have that. What you just said about being respectful of their time is very nice, um, and so you should be, and just make sure that they want it. But uh, the script is again, that's like um, that th- that is just so trusting, and uh, you know shows respect. Whereas like asking for four thousand revisions and then changing your mind and every maybe <laughs> yeah. doesn't show respect the same way um, okay. as like bringing people on early to your vision would show. Yeah, cool. I've learned something very important today as a writer. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's it's it's. I think it all comes down to um, just being overtly uh, overly conscious of of not wanting to offend people with our little film you know like that whole like thing about i don't want to send in my script because i don't want to annoy them and all this sort of stuff but it's (laughs) like you know um i think that they would prefer to be annoyed in that way versus being left out have the option to be annoyed i'd like the option to be annoyed by your writing (laughs) thank you very much exactly yeah very cool well thank you so much for being on um we're, we're going to have all the links to, you know, your site and your work so we can everybody can follow. The, the, and the, I really want to see that YouTube series with the kids now. That's got to be really funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it's up. You can find it. The, the production company is called Soul Pancake. Um, it's Rain Wilson's company. Uh, and oh, they, I've heard they, of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that's who, that was the production company for the show. Um, and it's called Kid Correspondent. And you could check it out. It was very timely because it was related to the debates and the elections. Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to bring a little bit of humanity to what we were seeing, um, but being nonpartisan, um, mm-hmm. but obviously being human. <laughs> so, <laughs> so take that as you will. I'm not a spokesperson for the show, uh, but, you know, I just wrote some fun kids music for it. Um, but, yeah, check it out. It's it's up there. And again, like you said, if you link to um, my pages, there will be a way for you to figure out how and where to watch everything that I've been working on that's public. Very cool. Great, awesome. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, it was so fun to talk about all things indie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye. All right. So long. Well, that was Roman. Yes. He's a nice guy. I really like him. There's more composers on. Support yeah. your composers. Yeah. Damn it. Um, also, uh, during this convo, uh, the news broke that Biden won. Mm-hmm. And we've never shied away from politics on this show. And uh, we're freaking excited. So. Yep. If that bothers you, I don't tell you. <laughs> but um, we were like we were done with the interview, and then he was like, "A lot of people are cheering outside." <laughs> yeah, well, he I, was in Queens. Yeah, so. I looked over at the TV, which I had the the audio off, but I had the TV on. And it was just like, you know, everyone was like, yeah. "Yep, that happened." So and if I'm you're not listening gonna, to this in the future, hopefully that's still. The I'm case. not gonna lie, we've been watching this for like three days, and I was like, "Of course this well, would we've happen." We just had it on while we've been doing things. It's just like background noise on. But yeah. I was like, "Of course this would happen." The yeah, moment yeah. we had something to do, I was like, "Of course, of course." Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I do with that what you will. I'm personally uh, just I just hope that uh, we can get our shit together um, as a a country. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. See what happens. Let's Um, please do that. Um, Yeah. So we're going to have the links to all of his work. So you can check all that out. Check, uh, you know, check out uh, Hudakan. That's on um, HBO. HBO. And uh, have links to all that stuff. Yeah, we'll have links to everything. And uh, so a shout out to MoGraph.com Network Podcast Network. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Study Geek and Reality Bomb Comcast, not up for debate. Uh, if you're an indie filmmaker, composer, DP, editor, whatever you do in this business and you have something you want us to see or you want to chat, reach out to us. 
And if we don't get back right away, it's because we don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're such a jerk. No, no we, we just, get back to everybody. We're literally in the middle of a bathroom reno, a partial yeah. bathroom reno that we're doing ourselves because we don't have that kind of coin. And uh, it's been interesting. So <laughs> mm-hmm. we haven't really looked at a lot of stuff. We haven't watched a whole lot of things. Um, but yeah. So I don't know what's going on next week. We have a couple guests that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're going to start getting back into reviewing things, watching movies. I think Tenant's supposed to finally drop in December. Mm. Um, I don't know how this is. I, you know, it's like when there's too much hype. Yeah. I, we'll I don't feel like it's ever going to live up to the hype now because yeah. the whole like, we're not going to release it. We're going to release it. We're not going to release it. We're releasing it. We're doing a, a partial release here. Yeah. I don't know. Reviews were a little sketchy. I heard it wasn't too great, but a lot of things that I love didn't get great reviews. So I can't mm-hmm. necessarily go by that. So I don't know what it'll be out. We'll be talking about things. We're currently in the middle of Mando, so we're not going to talk about that until it is done. It's um, a Mandalorian for people that don't know your slang. How does how would know how would you not know what I meant when I said Mando? I don't know. Maybe some people don't. Well, they're just not. We're watching cool. the Baby Yoda show. <laughs> <laughs> God, that thing's freaking adorable. Yeah. You, right. hand, you hand me a human baby and I'm like, what do you want me to do with this? But if you'd given me, if you gave me the child, my yeah. my ovaries would explode and I would never let you have it back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Next week will be a surprise. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye.